0: That have been on the journey the last couple of Sundays we've been looking at Christmas from the viewpoint of uh, Joseph and what Joseph's role was and remember a couple of Sundays ago we talked about how in each case Joseph has been given a dream by an angel from the Lord and then prophecy is being fulfilled in every one of these cases and so a few weeks ago uh, we covered he had the dream to where he was to take Mary as his wife and she was with child And he knew he wasn't the daddy so his plans had changed and so we 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 went into that lesson and then last week we saw where he was warned in a dream by God to to now take uh, the child and take the mother and go into a a foreign land the land of Egypt and the angel said you are to stay there until I to God tells you When it's time to leave. And so we covered that last Sunday. And so we're coming into this Sunday and we're going to be looking at uh, verses 19 through 23. It's not many, but we're going to be looking at the fulfillment of the third thing that's going to happen. And so let's pick up here in verse uh, 19 of chapter 2 of the Gospel of Matthew. And it says, But when Herod died, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, and he said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And so Joseph got up, he took the child and his mother, and he came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned by God in a dream, he left for the regions of Galilee. And he came and lived in a city called Nazareth. This was to fulfill what was spoke, spoken through the prophets He shall be called a Nazarene. Okay, and so that's the text. What are we going to get out of that today? Well, there's a lot to get out of this passage. Remember, he picks up in this story, the, he gets another dream here. And he, within that dream, he's told that Herod had died. Now, who is Herod? Herod was the supposed king over Jerusalem and over Israel. He, did, he wasn't rightful heir to the throne because he wasn't of the royal line, which Jesus is a part of. And remember, remember what happened? The Magi showed up from the east and they came into Jerusalem and they asked the question where is he where is he who has been born King of the Jews now that is significant where is he the one who's been born King of the Jews because Herod Herod was opposed to Herod was a mean person in fact the few verses right before this text point out That when he found out that the Magi had left in a different direction, he thought he was tricked. And he went and he had every child from two years old and under killed in Bethlehem and the surrounding district. And so there was great mourning, great weeping that went on in the region of Bethlehem because of that. And so Herod is a mean person. I know Matt talked about and I'm thankful that God uses uh, godly people righteous people to make a difference in the world but there's some mean people still out in this world and Herod was he was one at the top of the list in fact it doesn't say this but the Jewish historian Josephus he he gives us insight in this <laughs> excuse me Herod had one of his sons killed five days before he died Can you imagine that? Because he had threatened Herod, but he had one of his sons. He he had his wife killed. He had several wives, but he had one of them killed. And he was a violent, mean person. And and Josephus goes on to report, and I'm giving you a little details about Herod. You know how he died? He ended up dying. But he says this. It said that his um, his insides, he had ulcers and inside of him within his intestines and internal organs that maggots had begun to to come into his body and he was he was basically living in torture and no matter what he tried to do to ease the pain that was going on physically inside of him he tried to go to physicians take hot baths whatever he could to relieve the pain Nothing. He he was having convulsions. And this is how he ended up dying. And I know some of you as you hear that you go, Yes, yes, God, you got him, you got him. Well, it was the end result of the kind of a horrid life that Herod lived. And it was really sad for someone to be that close to the king, but yet missing the king. So what's Joseph's part? Joseph once again gets a dream. And he's told, now it's okay. It's okay to now return back into the land of Israel. He didn't tell him what part of Israel to go to. He just said it's okay to go back. For, the, for Herod and those others who were out to kill him, they're, they're dead now. So here's what happened. Joseph takes uh, the child Jesus. And we don't know how old Jesus is at this time. We do know that. He's not a little baby. He might be a couple of years old. We don't know. We don't have any details in the Bible. But he takes him and he goes back into the land of Israel. And it says he gets back and he hears about that there's Herod's uh, oldest son, whose name is uh, Archelaus. He is now governing in the land of Judea. He's, he's come under the, th- uh, the rightful throne of his father, Herod. Now, what's important about that? Is here's a cool thing in Josephus tells us from Jewish history is that there was two men that were Jews that were disciples of Jesus and they did not like the fact that that Herod had put the Roman eagle. You know what the Roman eagle is? It's the same eagle that basically we have on our currency in the United States. But what what he had done was he had put the roman eagle over the entrance of the temple gate in jerusalem now what's significant about that is the fact that man that was if you were a jew and you saw rome's symbol over the entrance into your temple that was that was like blasphemy to them And so there was a couple of guys that led a revolt and they took down that Roman symbol, that eagle symbol off of it. Well as a result of that, Herod had those two killed and and all those that tried to get the rebellion of taking down the symbol. And he knew what was going on. Well Archelaus, the next year when Passover came, here's what Archelaus did, his son. When all the Jews who come into Jerusalem for Passover, he had 3,000 Jews killed for the very act of them taking down that symbol, the Roman symbol over the temple. Now, here's, here's the issue with that. These people that came there to observe the Passover, they didn't have anything to do with the rebellion or the revolt of taking down the sign. But Archelaus, as a demonstration, had all of these 3,000 of them now. So we had Herod killing all the infant babies in, inside the district. And now you have no one from a, a Jewish historian named Josephus these details. No wonder Joseph didn't want to go around there. Because he knew that this guy also was not to be trusted. And so the scriptures pick up here. That God warned him in a dream, and he left for the region of Galilee. And, it, and he came and he lived in a city called Nazareth. And this was to fulfill what, what was spoken through the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. Now, you know what's interesting about this? Is that uh, as I was looking through this all week and just going over and over and over, I'm like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's. Uh, Didn't we start this story? I mean, didn't the story of Jesus and the announcement from the angels, didn't it all start in Nazareth? Well, let's let's see. Turn with me, hold your spot right here in the Bible, but turn with me over into uh, Luke's gospel. In Luke chapter 1, and we're going to see some things. It's kind of cool when it comes to Nazareth. In Luke chapter 1, uh, we get to verse 26. And it says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, who was what? Of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. We have it right here. I mean, that's, that's where they started. Remember? That's where they were, Joseph and Mary. And then when it came time... If we see right on over here, uh, turn over to chapter 2 and look at verse 4. And we'll kind of give you some scriptures here to look at, to think, and ponder on, to see about the significance of this prophecy. In verse 4 it says, Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of where? Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David. So he's part of the royal line of David, but he was leaving where he was from. Joseph was from Nazareth. Mary was from Nazareth. And it seems it would have made sense that that would have been the most logical place for them to return back to anyway. That was their hometown, my town. You know, well, who is it? Mon- Montgomery uh, has my town song. You know, uh, have you ever heard that, my town? Anybody in the room heard the country song of "My Town"? Okay, I'm not the only one that listens to it, I guess, but but anyway, that was that was his hood. That was where he grew up. Well, and that's where Joseph was. So the fact is, he's going to be returning back to the place where his parents originally left from. Now, what do we know about Nazareth? We know this. Some of the details. All right, you got you got Jerusalem and you got Bethlehem just five miles down below Jerusalem. Well, where is Nazareth in a relationship to Jerusalem? It's about 55 miles north of where Jerusalem is. And so, as far as geography goes, they had some journeying to do to get on up in there. What else do we know about Nazareth? We know that it didn't have a good reputation. In fact. The citizens, the men were known for being rough and rude. The people were known for being mean. And I mean, they, they were, it was a region, a, a town that where people, when they thought of them, they despised them. Anybody know of a town like that in Georgia? Any of y'all know a town like that in Georgia? Hey, anybody? I know some people that living here in this region And I'm not going to call towns. But there's some people that don't like the people over in that town. Oh, they despise them. They grew up maybe playing ball against them or whatever. But there are some, you know, and and have you ever heard? There's some places in South Georgia you don't want to go to. You don't want to be caught there after dark, okay? There's some places in Atlanta you don't want to. They've got a bad reputation. You know what I'm saying? There's some places that are known for being mean. Well, Nazareth. Was one of them, and how do we know part of this story? I'm going to give you a little bit of insight into that, and um, you can turn hold your place there, but you can turn on over to John's Gospel. We're we're covering the Gospels today, and I love it, but go, John's Gospel gives us this account of what happened. Messiah, uh, Jesus was. Reaching out to the calling disciples, and, and uh, Philip was one of those disciples he'd called, and Philip goes and finds somebody by the name of Nathaniel. And this is in John's gospel chapter one verse 45. It says, "Philip found Nathaniel, and he said to him, "We have found him, of whom Moses, in the law and also the prophets wrote. Notice who he says, we found, Jesus of Nazareth." the son of Joseph. Isn't that interesting? Joseph is, his name's being brought to attention right here, y'all. This is Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And here's Nathaniel's response to him. Nathaniel said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Can any good thing come out of there? man we, yeah, we know the reputation of that town. Can any good thing come out of there? And Philip's response to Nathaniel was, "Come and see. Come and see." And Jesus goes on to have an encounter with Nathaniel. And when he has that encounter, it's pretty cool because he ends up saying some things to him, and, and they were really not big things. And, Nathaniel said, "Man, this is truly the son of God." And he was like, "Oh man, if that if you if you think that's something, you just wait till you see the glory of the Lord coming up and down out of heaven on him of what's laying ahead." So, Nathaniel was impressed, but but the reputation, you see where it's coming from, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? I know people I know a little bit about uh, Winder in Monroe. I know a little bit about Monroe and Loganville. And boy, there's some rivalries. And I'm like, these people don't get along. They don't get along. But it would be like someone in Monroe going, Can any good thing come out of Winder? Can any good thing come out of Loganville? Well, it used to be where in the heck is Loganville? Everybody knows where Loganville is now. But the truth is, can any good thing come out of there? And Jesus, Nathaniel, got the response from Philip, come and see. And he did see that something did good come out of Nazareth. But this was all in fulfillment to Scripture. Fulfillment of the prophecy. He shall be called a Nazarene. And you know this—the uh, word Nazarene was associated basically to a Christian, someone who was identified. They were despised, they were rejected. Does that kind of sound like what happened to Jesus? He was despised, he was rejected by his own people. But I want to give you a few more facts and and some details. So, if you would look with me, this still back in Luke's gospel, and I want to give you a story of what took place in Nazareth when it came to Jesus Joseph had the responsibility of raising a king scripture says that he was warned by these uh, by God he was given these dreams he obeyed every time we do know we don't know anything that happened really from this point until Jesus is 12 years old but we know that Joseph, by trade, was a carpenter. And the, the, another word for that, that meaning of that is a builder. Someone who was more like a handyman or, con, or someone that was able to even to do stone masonry. He was a builder, a carpenter, a, a, someone who could put things together, and fix things. Well, that's what Jesus grew up under that's what jesus was involved with with joseph in the day-to-day life at nazareth and so jesus grows up in Nazareth. we know we'll see some evidence of that there there's some people that speculate but from the time he was 12 to the time he was 30 when he began his earthly ministry that jesus went all over the world in different regions but there's no biblical proof of that those are just silent years I know as a parent, we've had the privilege of raising four kids. You see, we've had that privilege of raising four kids, right And we know, we know every stage of raising them. And it's been said, why did not God reveal to us what Jesus was like as a teenager? Because I'm going to tell you, raising teenagers is totally different. Amen? And when you ever hey, you got something to look forward to, but here's the, here's the good news. If you raise them right in those early years, it's gonna be rough in the teenage years. But here's the good news: if you raise them right, you'll get through those teenage years. You might want to kill them, but the reward is you'll get grandbabies later. So don't kill them. You don't kill them. You know that's the only reward. But. But that, I believe that's why the Bible doesn't record what happened to him as a teenager. But hey, here's the good news Jesus was a perfect teenager. He never sinned, he never did any of that. But, but the one thing that I do know is that those were silent years. But Luke picked up in, in his gospel, and really over here in, in Luke chapter 3, he picks up and says Jesus was 30, almost 30 when he began. And then he gives the genealogy of Jesus going from Joseph all the way back to Adam. And then he gives an account of where Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And he was tempted for 40 days. And then how he dealt with the enemy. And then the Bible says that he came out of that experience in the power of the Spirit. In the power of the Holy Spirit. And then Luke records these details. He, he takes us to Jesus has now passed the test of the three great temptations, and he said, it is written every time, and he passed the test. And now where is he going to go? He's going to go back to his hometown. And let's see what happens. He's going back to Nazareth. Pick up with me in Luke chapter four, beginning in verse 16. It says, "And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, remember? that's the biblical evidence that he, that's where he was raised and as was his custom he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read and the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him and he opened the book and he found the place where it was written and this this text that he read was actually straight from Isaiah chapter 61 those few verses there it is it's powerful and here's what he read The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he sent me to proclaim release to the captives. And recovery of sight to the blind. To set free those who are oppressed. Amen. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Man, those are some good things, aren't they? That whole list. To proclaim that. And then he closed the book. Gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. So Jesus read straight from Isaiah 61 and shared that with these people. And you know, these were the hometown people. These were people he knew, he grew up with. And here's the people that he knew the best. And, and every, here's the key. Every one of those people that were sitting there knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that this passage that he read from Isaiah was referring to the Messiah and so they're they're like they've heard it before and so Jesus you know he quotes it and he's he he shares it and then he closes the book and he sits down and so they're probably thinking yeah yeah man that's that's all about Messiah that's good we've heard that that's a good that's a good passage you've read there Jesus And then watch what happens next. He began to say to them in verse 21. Today. This scripture. Has been fulfilled in your hearing. Wow. Now that changes things folks. You know why that changes things. Because. He in essence at that moment is declaring. I am Messiah. I am Messiah now think about that these people grew up with him and it it goes on to say that it says "And all who were speak all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips and notice what they were saying is this not whose son Joseph's son is this not Joseph's son Wow man I love this the story of the birth of Jesus and everything that we've covered over these weeks and in relation to Joseph because Mary Mary God did a wonderful thing through Mary but we often forget about Joseph don't we I mean he's just kind of the sidekick in the story he's he's really like not the main one of the main characters. he's pretty big but he's not the main But here's the hometown people saying, Isn't this Joseph's son? Who is he making himself out to be as Messiah? We know him. That's Joseph's son. Well, Jesus goes on and says everybody was loving what he had to say, but then he gives them uh, a few verses here and everything changes. Follow with me. He said to them in verse 24. Oh, no, excuse me, verse 23. He said to them, No doubt you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard was done at Capernaum, you do here in where? Your hometown as well. This, they know it's his hometown. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. And so, Wow. He's covering, he's he's declaring, hey, Nazareth, that's my home base. That's my hometown. But y'all are not going to be ready to hear what he's got to say. So he comes in verse 25. But I say to you in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, and when a great famine came over all the land. And yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath. In the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. That's one. That's one example he gives. In other words, three and a half years. But hey, Elijah didn't come to anybody, any of the Jews. He went to this woman over here in Sidon, and then he gives them another one. He said, "Now there were many lepers in Israel at the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman, Naaman the Syrian." So we got. He's given two illustrations. And neither one of them are Gentiles, by the way, that are receiving the blessing. Both in these cases are people that are out of the region of Israel. Why is that significant? He goes on to say these things, but Naaman was cleansed. And then verse 28, after hearing that, listen to what verse 28 says. And all the people in the synagogue loved what he had to say. Huh. They were filled with rage as he heard these words. Boy, this preacher had hit a nerve. This prophet, Jesus, in his hometown, they were okay when he said, you know, the words with Messiah and all of that. Yeah, we know, we recognize Messiah. But when Jesus changed things by saying, today the scripture has been fulfilled, and then given these two illustrations of how it is not, it's not to the, just the hometown folks that I've come to. I've come for the whole world. I've come to reach out to all. I've come to be the savior of all. That's the main message that he's getting here. And those Jews were enraged at what he had said. And so they did what every good church does. They took him outside, walked him up a hill to throw him off the hill. To kill him. Man, this this is his hometown crowd, y'all. This is his hometown folks. And they took him, walked him up to the hill because Nazareth had a point that it was built there, and they used to take people up and throw them off, and if they didn't die, they threw stones on them to finish them off. And this is Jesus, their homeboy. But he tells them. Something that they didn't like, and now they're ready to kill him. Wow. So, why am I sharing all of this? Listen, he shall be called a Nazarene. Jesus the Nazarene. Here was his own hometown people that were ready to kill him. No wonder he said, No prophet is welcome in his hometown. No wonder. (laughs) wow is this not joseph's son is it not oh he was by far more than joseph's son so they were ready to kill him but we know that at some point in the story joseph must have died but we don't have any record of it when he died isn't that interesting we don't have any recorded scripture that says Joseph when Joseph died. But we do know this. Jesus started at about 30 into his ministry and then 3 years later he's in Jerusalem. And we're going to see what John finishes up this story about. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to John 19 verse 19. I'm going to read a few scriptures there, but we know this, that he obviously wasn't there at the time of Jesus' death. And how do we know that? Because of what Jesus did by saying to John, the disciple, about his mother. And if Joseph had been alive, he wouldn't have been given charge to John to be taking care of his mother. So at some point along this journey, Joseph has died. But I want you to, we're going to finish up and see something extremely significant. Pick up with me in verse 16. It says, and so they handed him over to them to be crucified. And they took Jesus, therefore, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha. And there they crucified him, and with him two other men, one on either side, and Jesus in between. And notice this, verse 19. I got it underlined, underscored. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. And it was written, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. Wow, he shall be called a Nazarene. Therefore, many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Hebrew, Latin and Greek. It covered all the known languages for all the people so they could understand what was being said. So the chief priests of the of the Jews were saying to Pilate, "Do not write the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am king of the Jews." And Pilate answered, "What I have written, I have written now why did I share all of that in leading up to he shall be called a Nazarene Jesus King of the Jews because folks check this out there were two recorded times in these Gospels to where people acknowledge Jesus as King First one was back over in Matthew 2 where the Magi came into Jerusalem and said, where is he? Where is he who has been born? King of the Jews. And then the latter one is over here is Pilate. Another person who's not a believer, not a gen- is a Gentile. And he has put an inscription up, Jesus the Nazarene, the king of the Jews. And isn't that interesting that you got the Magi and you got the, and got Pilate acknowledging who he really is. And you have your, his very own people that had rejected him, had rejected him, and not realized who he really is. i close with this. In John chapter 1, John says these words. He came to his own, but his own received him not. But to as many as would receive him, he gave to them the right to become a son of God. Wow. Wow. That is Joseph raising a king. any it crazy to see that Gentiles saw him, but his very own people couldn't see it. In fact, many of them wanted to kill him, and they ultimately did lead him to the cross. But let me share this. Nobody really did kill Jesus. He willingly gave his life. Yeah, they might have put him on the cross, but he willingly laid it down. And why did he do that? Because he loves you and me. So there's really two responses that we can have to this message. Jesus the Nazarene, the king of the Jews. And that is this. Or am I going to receive him? Or am I going to reject him? There's no in-between. Am I going to receive him as king? Is he going to be my king? Am I going to acknowledge him as king? Or am I going to be like those hometown people? I'm going to reject him. I'm not going to acknowledge him. Hmm. Who does he think he is? Who do you think he is? Who do you say he is? Is he your king? Is he? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your word. Thank you for this great story that, that you have given to us in your Gospels. And it's, it's the story of your love. It's the story of you sending your son. It's the story of you giving and giving and giving. And it's the story of also of, of you seeing your people. Reject that gift, but seeing so many others receive that gift. Lord, I thank you that even though when I was an 11 year old boy, I didn't understand it all, but I thank you that I received it. I received it. And it began a journey to where you've always been there. You have never left me. You have given me of your spirit. And you've promised me that no matter what I face in life, you will always be there. You've promised me that whenever I'm weak, you will be strong. And you've promised me that I can do all things through Jesus, through Christ, who strengthens me. Lord, just like Matt said earlier. He's, he's faced a challenge like never before, but he knows you are there. And Lord, just like there's many in this room that are facing all kinds of things in their life, but you've been there. Listen, friend, life is tough, and it's, it's hard. And it's, it's hard even when you have him. But I can't even imagine how hard it would be if you didn't have him and that's that crowd that's rejected but i'm going to ask you today would you today consider with all your heart and respond to the message of god's love and grace to you and would you receive jesus the greatest gift ever given as your lord and savior would you right now just ask him, ask him for the gift. And Lord, for all of those that have already received that great gift, I pray that every one of us would be reminded of this story and be reminded That no matter how hard or how difficult things may be, that God, you are there. You are God with us, Emmanuel. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I stand amazed in the presence Jesus and I